I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. American experiment is all about freedom. As Americans, we are committed to the idea that we are created in the image of God, and every individual has great worth. This hour, we explore the First Amendment and the responsibility each of us has to protect the first freedoms. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Defending the rights of religion and belief, freedom of speech and of the press, freedom to assemble, and the freedom to petition the government are the responsibilities of every citizen. The interdependent nature of these freedoms not only requires every citizen to defend them generally and to defend them for those that we agree with, but more importantly, to defend these rights for those with whom we disagree. Indeed, if all Americans, believers and non-believers, do not put the first freedoms first, will simply not have a sustainable republic that will last. Through numerous interviews, we will paint the picture of why these first freedoms are first. I'm Boyd Matheson, host of Inside Sources. Welcome to this KSL News Radio General Conference special, First Freedoms, the Interconnectedness of First Amendment Rights. The First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution reads very simple. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. During this special, we'll look to insight from a retired federal judge, a former United States senator, along with words from apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You know, it's significant to me to note that the declarations in the First Amendment are framed in what Congress cannot do, meaning Congress cannot establish a religion, nor can it prevent citizens from exercising their faith in the public square. Congress cannot abridge the freedom of speech or the press or prevent people from peaceably gathering. Congress cannot stop citizens from petitioning the government when they are wronged. In 1975, Elder Neil A. Maxwell stated, The First Amendment is a major branch of the tree from which one ought not to try to prune away any of the limbs of liberty. Those who are not connected with religious freedom, but solely with freedom of speech, will find that any pruning of religion will adversely affect freedom of speech. And the reverse is also true. It is the interconnectedness of those first freedoms that is a powerful protection to the people of America. I recently sat down with former D.C. Circuit Appeals Judge Thomas Griffith 
and we talked about the interconnectedness of our first freedoms and why they are important. It's important because it's so central to our concept of what a human being is and humans' relationship to government, right? And as Americans, we are committed to the idea that, that we are created in the image of God, and every individual, by virtue of that fact alone, has great worth. And so, therefore, they ought to be able to follow their, their, their conscience. They ought to be able to express their thoughts. They ought to be able to, to worship, if that's what they're inclined to do, or to not worship, if that's right. what they're inclined. That there's that zone of autonomy and, and freedom that's critical to what the American experience is about. But Judge Griffith went on to say that there has to be limits on those freedoms, that if those freedoms were taken to the extreme, they become unsustainable and detrimental to citizens and society. Now, here's the challenge. It's not limitless, right? We live in a society with other people, and we need to recognize that any right taken to an extreme can actually do some harm. So this is where the real tough work comes, and this is where the tough work of the courts come and legislatures come. So what are the limits that you can place on it, right? And the American experience has been that we have we've tried different places to draw the lines, and sometimes they haven't worked, and sometimes they work. It's an ongoing process. Uh, it's an ongoing process. But it's important because um, without those freedoms that are based in the concept that we are created in God's image, uh, and for that reason have worth. Without those freedoms, we lose what the United States was created to allow and has been copied around the world. And so it's always a dynamic issue, yeah. tough to find the right lines, but we need to, we need to keep working at it yeah. because that's so central to who we are as humans. Earlier this year during the open house for the Washington, D.C. Temple, I had the opportunity to interview Elder D. Todd Christofferson of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Elder Christofferson had many unique experiences prior to his full-time church service to explore the power of government, the importance of principles, and the impact of the First Amendment. Elder Christofferson told me that the interconnectedness of those first freedoms found in the First Amendment is what allows churches to contribute to society. Well, those are valuable freedoms that may be taken for granted. I think more and more of these days we were thinking about the value of those first freedoms and prizing them perhaps more than, than we used to, but they're essential, frankly, to the, to the functioning of government, but to the functioning of society as a whole, the positive contributions that come from uh, who we are and what we do, our values and our, our goodwill, our desires to help, to, to lift, to bless others, to, to love our neighbor as well as love God. And religion promotes uh, many of the, the values and the philosophies of life, I guess you could say, that uh, contribute to a healthy society and a resilient society. We don't claim perfection by any means, but we do profess to be able to make contributions and want to make contributions. That's much of what we're about. All of that, I think, is tied up in these freedoms to associate, freedoms to work together, freedom to believe in worship, freedom of gathering and strengthening one another, teaching, lifting, helping each other in and out of the faith. 
But all those things uh, are fundamental, in my view, and, and I don't know, know that there's any other institution, if you will, that's capable of, of making the contribution that faith and religion make. And without those, um, there's a very significant missing piece or pieces to the puzzle, and it just doesn't come together, if at all, not very well, without it. President Dallin H. Oaks, first counselor in the first presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ, is also no stranger to the Constitution, the First Amendment, and other amendments. In a landmark general conference address, President Oaks spoke of the inspired Constitution and inspired amendments that have followed. I believe the United States Constitution contains at least five divinely inspired principles. First is the principle that the source of government power is the people. A second inspired principle is the division of delegated power between the nation and its subsidiary states. Another inspired principle is the separation of powers. A fourth inspired principle is in the cluster of vital guarantees of individual rights and specific limits on government authority in the Bill of Rights. Fifth and finally, I see divine inspiration in the vital purpose of the entire Constitution. We are to be governed by law and not by individuals. President Oaks went on to discuss how inspired amendments strengthen the principles of the Constitution and galvanize the connection between principles, citizens, and government. The Constitution was not a fully grown document, said President J. Reuben Clark. On the contrary, he explained, we believe it must grow and develop to meet the changing needs of an advancing world. For example, inspired amendments abolished slavery and gave women the right to vote. However, we do not see inspiration in every Supreme Court decision interpreting the Constitution. You're listening to a KSL News Radio General Conference special, First Freedoms, the Interconnectedness of First Amendment Rights. I'm Boyd Matheson, host of Inside Sources. When we come back, my conversation with former United States Senator Joseph Lieberman on First Freedoms and the importance of faith in the public square. Join Boyd Matheson weekdays for the latest news of the day and learn to disagree better. Afternoons from 1 till 3 on KSL News Radio. Welcome back. I'm Boyd Matheson, host of Inside Sources. You're listening to a KSL News Radio General Conference special First Freedoms, the Interconnectedness of First Amendment Rights. Defending the rights of religion and belief, freedom of speech and of the press, freedom to assemble, and the freedom to petition the government are the responsibilities of every citizen. The interdependent nature of these freedoms not only requires every citizen to defend them generally and to defend them for those we agree with, but more importantly, to defend these rights for those with whom we disagree. Indeed, if all Americans, believers and non-believers, do not put the first freedoms first, we'll simply not have a sustainable republic that will last. I recently traveled to New York City to sit down with former United States Senator Joe Lieberman, We talked about the Constitution, the First Amendment, and that interconnectedness of his Jewish faith and the principles, the founding principles in America. We began our conversation with Senator Lieberman with him explaining how the freedoms in the Constitution actually do have a religious origin. The rights to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, equal rights, 
were not originated by the great statesman who wrote the Declaration of Independence. They are the gift of our Creator, the endowment of our Creator, as the uh, Declaration of Independence says. So that's the premise of everything else that uh, follows. And if you believe that, then you have to believe, as most people of faith do, that we're all created equally. We're all created in the image of God. So it's the eternal foundation for the freedoms that the Constitution uh, provides. I then asked the senator about the need for those first freedoms. As he reflected on those first freedoms, he shared an experience he had years ago in Uzbekistan. If all those freedoms articulated both in the Constitution and then certainly in the Bill of Rights don't connect, we're not a free people. Once I went with a delegation of senators to it, it was Uzbekistan, and there was a man named Karimov who was the dictator there. And being good American senators, we raised the question of human rights. So he said, if I'm not mistaken, all of you senators are either Christian or Jewish. So I urge you, this is a majority Muslim country. Talk to the Jewish and Christian citizens of my country and ask them if they have freedom of religion. So we actually met with a group of human rights activists uh, in Uzbekistan the next day at the U.S. Embassy. So we asked him the question, and they said, well, generally speaking, uh, he's right. We have freedom of religion. But if we say the slightest word of criticism toward the dictator, regardless of our religion, we're in jail. It is important to note that the other first freedoms are equally as important. How the freedom of the press and freedom of speech are the backbone of healthy debate, compromise, and productive problem-solving in our communities and throughout our nation. That freedom to assemble, whether literally or virtually, is what creates space for free speech and for the press to function. Senator Lieberman emphasized how freedom of religion alone simply wasn't enough for the founders. It wasn't enough just to have freedom of religion. It also had to be matched with political freedom and freedom of the press, particularly, which in a lot of countries does not exist. So religious freedom is a premise, and I think faith is a premise for a lot of the rights that were embraced in our Constitution. But freedom of religion is not enough and hasn't been enough in America to make us a truly free society. We have to have all those other freedoms that, uh, that are dear to us. One of the things that I often talk to guests about on my program is the importance of restraint. Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should. Senator Joe Lieberman shared his admiration for the founders and how they showed restraint, how they chose not to establish a state religion in the First Amendment, despite their own personal faith. The amazing thing, of course, about the founders is that they did that, although they were all really Christians, they did it without creating an official religion. In fact, in the First Amendment, they decreed that there could not be ever in America uh, the establishment of an official religion. Turning back now to my conversation with Judge Griffith, he provided a pattern for applying those first freedom principles we heard from President Oaks, Elder Christofferson, and Senator Lieberman. 
the way we can best support and defend the Constitution. It was summarized in President Oaks' talk. On contested issues, he said, we seek to moderate and to unify. That describes what the Constitution requires. That's how the Constitution was created in the summer of 1787. Compromise, moderation, an effort to create a more perfect union. So my feeling is if we want to support and defend the Constitution, that's the big picture behind it. We seek to moderate, to compromise, and to build unity. So that's the litmus test to me for all of us. If we want to know, am I supporting and defending the Constitution, ask yourself, am I seeking Mm. on contested issues? Am I seeking to moderate? Am I seeking to unify? And if you're not, in my view, you're not part of the solution. You're, you're part of the problem. Yeah. The Constitution requires that sort of civic-mindedness. That It requires a humility. I love how Judge Griffith put all of that together in connecting all of those first freedoms and how we can apply them in many situations, but particularly on contested issues, how we can apply those in a way that will create unity, compromise, and a better future for all of us. Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett shared with students at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library how free speech protects both popular and unpopular speech and why civility is an essential for free speech to lead to understanding and progress for all. You know, the reason why we have a First Amendment, the reason why we have free speech is to protect unpopular speech because popular speech doesn't need the protection. And I think that for our democracy to thrive, I think for educational institutions to thrive, everything has to be on the table, including protest. I mean, I think there's a place for protest. Um, I think that people need to be able to disagree. People need to be able to express ideas. I think what can't happen, especially in academic institutions, is for any ideas to be pushed off the table. I think you have to engage with those ideas, show why those ideas are wrong. So I think that's actually one way to foster free speech is to try to foster civil discourse in which people are able to express express their views um, in a way that is not threatening or hostile to another side. You're listening to KSL News Radio General Conference Special First Freedoms, the interconnectedness of First Amendment rights. I'm Boyd Matheson, host of Inside Sources. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation about first freedoms. Stay with us. The American experiment is all about freedom. As Americans, we are committed to the idea that we are created in the image of God, and every individual has great worth. This hour, we explore the First Amendment and the responsibility each of us has to protect the first freedoms. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back. I'm Boyd Matheson, host of Inside Sources, and you're listening to KSL News Radio General Conference Special First Freedoms, the interconnectedness of First Amendment rights. As we've been talking, defending the rights of religion and belief, freedom of speech in the press, freedom to assemble, and the freedom to petition the government are the responsibilities that we all must protect. The interdependent nature of these freedoms not only requires each of us as citizens to defend them generally, but we also have to defend them even for those people with whom we disagree. 
if all Americans, believers, non-believers, people of all faiths and all political persuasions do not put the first freedoms first, we will not have a sustainable republic that will last. I once interviewed best-selling author Greg McEwen for his book, Essentialism, which is a must-read for many reasons. His framing of essential principles and actions sent me on an adventure to define what really is essential for me individually, then for my family, for the community, and ultimately, what is most essential when it comes to freedom and a constitutional republic. In the midst of this quest for what was really essential, I happened to listen to an address given by Elder David A. Bednar, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He gave a keynote address that was part of Brigham Young University's three-day Religious Freedom Annual Review. Elder Bednar is a master teacher who clears out the clutter and the unimportant so that listeners can become learners and discover for themselves what is needful, what is mindful, and what is essential. I was struck that the title of his address was, And When He Came to Himself, of course taken from the parable of the prodigal son in the New Testament. That was hardly the title or approach I would expect for an address delivered for a law school on the topic of religious liberty and first freedoms. In his masterful way, Elder Bednar presented an observation and then provided moments for the participants to discern the meaning on a multitude of levels. Elder Bednar shared a tender conversation he once had with his aging apostolic associate, Elder Robert D. Hales. Elder Bednar asked Elder Hales, What lesson have you learned as you have grown older and been constrained by decreased physical capacity? Elder Hales paused for a moment and responded, When you cannot do what you have always done, then you will only do what matters most. I think that is truly a lesson for a lifetime. It's a lesson that actually applies to individuals and organizations, to governments, communities, and countries. I have long believed that focus always precedes success, and focusing on the essential accelerates success. In a most surprising and powerful way, the lesson is encompassed in the protection and pursuit of religious liberty in that context of first freedoms. You see, the first freedoms established in the First Amendment are central to the vitality and vibrancy of the American experience. Rights relating to speech, the press, and assembling or gathering are vital. All of these first freedoms, especially the first of the first freedoms, freedom of religion, are essential. In his address, Elder Bednar outlined how religious freedom is not just important, but essential and vital for all believers. For billions of people around the world, religion is the very center of our lives and the core of our identity. Our faith calls upon us to love God above all else. It defines who and what we are, how we understand the meaning of our lives, and how we live each day. It is the source of our strength, consolation, and hope amidst sorrow, travail, and death. Faith traditions are the incubators and shapers of family and community life, creating and sustaining the spiritual ties that link and bind people together. Religion transmits moral and social truths to the next generation. Can anything be more vital? Our faith is more than just important to our dignity as human beings. It is essential. My call is for respect, accommodation, and cooperation. 
for creative solutions that mitigate the threat of COVID-19 while not cutting people off from an essential part of their lives. During the course of the pandemic, many were caused to review things that are essential and non-essential in relationship to society. It's also undeniably demonstrated that governments are often not well suited to determine what is truly essential. In some states during the pandemic, the sale of alcohol, animal care, and legal services were deemed essential and allowed to continue, while the work of clergy, ministering to individuals, and other expressions of religion were categorized as non-essentials. Controls on gathering of all kind, as well as speech and press, were put under immense pressure during the course of the pandemic. Elder Bednar emphasized throughout his address that while believers and their religious organizations must be good citizens in time of crisis, never again can we allow government officials to treat the exercise of religion as simply non-essential. Never again must the fundamental right to worship be trivialized below the ability to buy gasoline. As we have just experienced, religious freedom can quickly be swept aside in the name of protecting other societal interests. Despite COVID-19 risks, North American jurisdictions declared as essential numerous services related to alcohol, animals, marijuana, and other concerns. But often religious organizations and their services were simply deemed non-essential even when their activities could be conducted safely. In the name of protecting physical health and security or advancing other social values, government often acted without regard to the importance of protecting spiritual health and security. Cautioning against the sweeping declarations that trivialize and undermine the freedom of religions, Elder Bednar stated, we cannot deny and we should not forget the speed and intensity with which government power was used to shut down fundamental aspects of religious exercise. Then he added, We have witnessed the government's swift, well-intentioned, but often dangerous breaching of the boundaries that protect the free exercise of religion. This includes gathering. Gathering, in short, is at the core of faith and religion. Indeed, if the faithful are not gathering, sooner or later they will begin to scatter. And because gathering lies at the very heart of religion, the right to gather lies at the very heart of religious freedom. Gathering versus scattering matters in those first freedoms, not just as it relates to religious organizations or people of faith, but to all people in all communities. It's only a short hop from the breaching of those boundaries of limiting religious liberty to the full suppression of other first freedoms, including the freedom of speech or of the press, the right of the people to peaceably assemble. Without citizens standing up and speaking out, it can indeed be a swift and very slippery slope from basic freedoms and for them to fall from essential to non-essential. This present crisis may well be a moment when we too come to ourselves and realize, perhaps as never before, just how precious and fragile religious freedom is. A failure of citizens, individually and collectively, to do what Elder Bednar described as come to ourselves in such a time as this will further weaken the binding ties of our First Amendment rights and the many vital liberties that they preserve for us every day. In short, allowing these freedoms to be deemed 
non-essential by government will cause us to further forget who we are as a nation. You're listening to a KSL News Radio General Conference special, First Freedoms, the Interconnectedness of First Amendment Rights. I'm Boyd Matheson, host of Inside Sources, Monday through Friday from 1 to 3 p.m. When we come back, some final thoughts on First Freedoms. Stay with us. Join Boyd Matheson weekdays for the latest news of the day and learn to disagree better. Afternoons from 1 to 3 on KSL News Radio. Welcome back. I'm Boyd Matheson, host of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio, Monday through Fridays, 1 to 3 p.m. Welcome to this KSL News Radio General Conference special, First Freedoms, the Interconnectedness of First Amendment Rights. Defending those rights of religion and belief, freedom of speech and of the press, freedom to assemble, and the freedom to petition the government are the responsibilities for each of us as citizens. That interdependent nature of these freedoms not only requires us to defend them generally, but we also have to defend them for those whom we disagree with. Indeed, if all Americans, believers and non-believers, and people from across the political spectrum do not put the first freedoms first, we simply will not have a sustainable republic that will last. As we come down to some final thoughts on the vital role of the First Amendment, I want to go back to my conversation with former United States Senator Joe Lieberman. As we sat in his New York City office, the senator described to me why the first of the first freedoms was so vital to the founding and to the future of the nation. George Washington in the farewell address said, I'm paraphrasing, do not suppose that America will be a moral nation without the power of faith and religion. But I think what Washington meant by that was, We are in our Constitution and our first laws creating a government of limited powers. We are not going to tell everyone what to do at every moment because then we wouldn't be a free people. We'd be back to a monarchy or or a dictatorship. So there have to be other uh, sources, other other motivations for good behavior that are non-governmental. And uh, uh, Washington and a lot of the founding fathers felt that there was none better to play that role than religion. That was true then, and uh, it's true today. I think what uh, Senator Lieberman said was so important in terms of the future of the nation, that that is that influence uh, that comes from all of those first freedoms that is so vital to keeping the republic moving forward. President Dallin H. Oaks, in his landmark General Conference address, also described our individual duty to uphold the Constitution and all of the first freedoms. There are other duties that are part of upholding the inspired Constitution. We should learn and advocate the inspired principles of the Constitution. We should seek out and support wise and good persons who will support those principles in their public actions. We should be knowledgeable citizens who are active in making our influence felt in civic affairs. I love how President Oaks focused on principles, that it's the principles of the Constitution, the principles of all of the amendments to the Constitution, those first freedoms especially, uh, that we all have a duty to uphold. Principle is really the driving force. President Oaks made the ultimate connection on the Constitution and First Amendment freedoms to God's purposes in establishing the United States Constitution. 
What was God's purpose in establishing the United States Constitution? We see it in the doctrine of moral agency. The most desirable condition for the exercise of that agency is maximum freedom for men and women to act according to their individual choices. Maximum freedom to act. And how do we act? We need to act on those principles with courage. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. understood the absolute essential nature of all the first freedoms and that courage, character, and clarity required to promote and protect them was essential. He spent and ultimately gave his life in defense of the essential of those first freedoms. Dr. King once said, Courage is an inner resolution to go forward despite obstacles. Cowardice is submissive surrender to circumstances. Courage breeds creativity. Cowardice represses fear and is mastered by it. Cowardice asks the question, is it safe? Expediency asks the question, is it politic? Vanity asks the question, is it popular? But conscience, conscience asks the question, is it right? It's about those principles that are right. And what is true and what is right epitomizes what is ultimately essential. From our founding up to today, all citizens have to have courage, character, and clarity to pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor to defend precious liberties. That's the essence of American essentialism. Remembering the truly essential interconnectedness of first freedoms, and then each of us as citizens acting with courage is the only way to ensure the preservation of liberty for ourselves and our posterity. Thanks for listening to this KSL News Radio conference special, First Freedoms, the Interconnectedness of First Amendment Rights. I'm Boyd Matheson, host of Inside Sources, weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. And as always, as you go out into the world today, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.